Welcome to the Eternal Connection, a radio broadcast ministry of St. Mark Lutheran Church in Omaha, Nebraska. Whether it be through prescribed behaviors, rituals, or practices, every religion in the world teaches that if we desire to know God, it is our responsibility to find Him and know Him. Christianity, however, teaches something very different. Christianity teaches that God has come to us and has revealed His love for us by putting on flesh in Jesus Christ and by giving us His Word through which He continues to speak to us today. We're glad you've joined us as Pastor Jay continues leading us through the Bible in the Gospel of John, right here, right now on The Eternal Connection. And you are eternally connected, and He is risen. He is, he is risen, risen indeed. Hallelujah. Happy Easter, everybody. A blessed Easter to you. Resurrection Sunday. Our Lord Jesus Christ is victorious, risen from the dead. And that is the good news of the gospel, that in him, through faith in him, we have life eternal. And because of him, quite literally, we are eternally connected. Thank you so much for joining us here this morning. Pastor Eric J. from St. Mark Lutheran Church in Omaha, Nebraska, where, depending upon what time you're listening to this, yes. if you're listening on uh, KCRO or on Boomer Radio, um, we are currently underway with our 8 o'clock service. We are. Um, and uh, you can check that out anytime on YouTube later today. And uh, also, if you're listening on Bot Radio, uh, these services are already all posted on YouTube. Um, we encourage you to uh, check those out and, and worship with us, even though it may be afterwards. Uh, we had a wonderful orchestra, yes. great music, uh, great time of, of worshiping our risen Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Um, although it's Easter, we are going to continue today in the Gospel of John uh, in chapter 18 which is not quite the resurrection account, but leading up to it, we're just uh, going to stay on track um, with our walk through the Gospel of John. And we'll be looking at verse 9, which is where we left off two weeks ago. So we invite you to open your Bibles, turn to John chapter 18, verse 9, and we will pick it up there as soon as Chip prays for us. Okay. Heavenly Father, what a glorious day that you've brought us. Uh, your promise delivered uh, that your Son has risen from the dead. Lord, as we uh, look into your Word this morning, remind us of th this important day uh, that we celebrate today, uh, that we couldn't have eternity with you uh, because of what your Son did, and because in a very short amount of time, uh, we're going to celebrate the fact that he came back to you, uh, and you accepted his sacrifice on our behalf, uh, that we get his righteousness. Lord, in your mercy... In his name, Jesus' name, the risen one. Amen. Amen. All right, John 18, verse 9. It puts us uh, right in the middle of uh, Jesus' journey to the cross. Of course, he's been journeying there since he was born. Yes. Uh, but this is the week of his passion going to the cross from which he will rise again. And chapter 18 started with uh, Jesus going into the Garden of Gethsemane, a regular place that he went with his disciples, a place that Judas, uh, the one that betrayed him, would have known. I don't think that's a uh, coincidence on Jesus's part, uh, knowing already what Judas was going to do, uh, going to a place where he could be found, 
uh, that Jesus was not hiding from this. As he said, Father, the glory, the hour of glory has come. Glorify your son with the glory I had with you before the beginning of the world. That's what he began uh, chapter 17 with in his high priestly prayer. So Judas showed up, as we read uh, two weeks ago, with a band of soldiers and an army mm-hmm. uh, for reasons really only Judas knows. <laughs> um, two, two things that were kind of confusing about that, as you said, Chip, no, Jesus never gave any reason for people to think that he would be violent. And yet at the same time, Judas also knew that this Lord could control the storm with his word. Uh, this Judas knew that Jesus had power and dominion over everything, even the devils, even the uh, the demons who obeyed his very command. Uh, Jesus, who could multiply bread and fish, heal the sick, and even raise dead Lazarus from his four-day-old tomb. Would I be wrong? To I assumed it, because Judas valued money more. Was it that not that simple? He valued money that he would bring soldiers? No, you said no one knew why Judas did it. Why he felt the need, or or even why the Sanhedrin, the temple authorities, felt the need to bring armed soldiers. Nothing in the life of Christ would have suggested that he was going to be attacking anybody. And yet, like I said, at the same time, <laughs> he's the Lord who could <laughs> very, very efficiently, uh, but who never did. So um, Judas comes with the soldiers, and when they arrive, Jesus takes the initiative. He does. And says, whom do you seek? And, of course, they say Jesus of Nazareth. And with three simple words, I am he, that great I am statement, the name that God revealed to Moses about who he was, uh, Jesus brings this battalion to its knees, uh, clearly demonstrating who's in control. They get back up from their knees, and uh, they ask Jesus asks them again who it is that you're looking for. They said, Jesus of Nazareth, and then in verse 8, Jesus said, I told you that I am he, so if you seek me, let these men go. And then in verse 9, this was to fulfill the word that he had spoken, of those whom you gave me, I have lost not one. And really, the prophecy, the words that are being fulfilled, are really the words that Jesus just spoke back in John 17, mm-hmm. verse 9, um, that Jesus is doing exactly what he said in his high priestly prayer, that they would not be lost. Then Simon Peter, having a sword, drew it and struck the high priest's servant and cut off his right ear. The servant's name was Malchus. What do you think is going through Peter's mind at this point? I mean, Jesus clearly just demonstrated he is in absolute control with with words. The same way Jesus has been in control the whole time. Brought this battalion to its knees. And yet Peter thinks, I know what I'm going to do. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's... Uh, what, is there any significance to cutting off the right ear? That, that I'm missing, or is Bad it... Bad aim. I, yeah, that's what... I think he was probably trying to take his head off. Yeah. yeah. And just okay. wasn't, wasn't a good swordsman. Well, so so many times as I've uh, read and learned with, sure. you, with you guys, the simplest of things can 
have a tie somewhere else in the word or it can't. And so I was just really curious if that uh, tied to somewhere else. Yeah, no, very legitimate point and a legitimate question. Um, yeah, sometimes the smallest things have the most significance. Uh, the only way to really tell is by letting Scripture interpret Scripture. Um, that that's that's how we are always to understand what it says. And there's there's nothing that would give us cause to to think that there is anything significant in the right ear being cut off versus the left versus, as Chip said, probably much more than that that Peter was aiming to accomplish. But what do you think was going through his head? Well, yeah, I was just thinking about that because here you just watched Jesus just utter three words and the entire battalion fell to its knees. Right. And then he's going, oh, I got this, Lord. <laughs> Let me take care of him. <laughs> kind of like he did on the top of Mount of Transfiguration, right? Yeah. Here Jesus is shining forth his eternal glory. Moses and Elijah are there. Right. And Let me, let me make you some tents. Yeah. <laughs> let me control <laughs> right. the situation. And I think that's exactly what was going through Peter's head. I mean, I'm not saying this to be critical of Peter because the truth is I think all of us would have, if we didn't do the same thing, I— I don't know if any of the other disciples were thinking anything different. Right. Yeah. Right. We, Peter is afraid of loss. Aren't we all though? Yeah, that's my point. We sh- we should look at this and really see ourselves and and see a Lord who does not always work as we would expect. Right. Uh, our Lord who who comes to surrender everything, but who is King over all. And yeah, it's it's understandable Peter's confusion. I, I would say we don't have it in the same way. But how often have you thought to yourself, Lord, are you really there? Lord, are you in control? Do you see what's happening down here? That's not the way I do it. Yeah, and thank God too, because <laughs> right. if this would have happened the way that Peter wanted it to go, what would be the result? All of them. Death. Mm-hmm. The way Peter wanted it to go was death. That's what the book of Proverbs says I think at least twice, there's a way that seems right to a man, but that way ends in death. There's a way that seems logical to us. There's a way that seems right to us. There's a way that seems just and good to us. We're quick to forget we're broken. Our understanding is a minuscule. Right. Meanwhile, Jesus, his way brings life. The struggle is Jesus would bring life through his own death. And as noble as Peter's love for Jesus is, what he's missing at this point is that it's not his love for Jesus that's going to save him. It's Jesus' love for him. And that's a perfect love. It's, It's a perfect love that seems strange only because of our sin. We reject it. Yeah, we, we, we reject it because what we want is we want to be in control. And you can, you can apply that to your own income, to your own health, to your own fill-in-the-blank. So many times we miss the true, I mean, this is what Jesus called his hour of glory. We miss the glory of God in our life because we insist on it going our way. And Jesus says, no, if you're going to follow me, if you're, if if you're going to see my glory, you have to pick up your cross too. You have to die. That means your thoughts, your intentions, your desires, you. 
and only by losing your life for my sake will you find it. So Jesus said in verse 11, Peter, put your sword into its sheath. Shall I not drink the cup that the Father has given me? And that's, that's just an incredible statement. I mean, Jesus knows what's coming. And, and Jesus knows he could have brought this whole thing to an end anytime he wanted. But what makes Jesus the perfect sacrifice, what makes him worthy of all praise and honor, is that regardless of the cost to himself, he pleased the Father. He walked faithfully according to what God had asked him to do. And I think that's especially important on a day like Easter. We celebrate Christ's resurrection from the dead. But we celebrate Christ's resurrection on Easter, not Jairus's daughter, not Lazarus, Christ. Because he's the only perfect one. Period. And he was perfect, not in his love for us. Certainly he loves us. Certainly he has loved his disciples perfectly. But what makes Easter worth celebrating is that Jesus was perfect in his love for his Father. Jesus loves us. There's no doubt about that. Very shortly we're going to have a whole JLY campaign at St. Mark, Jesus Love You. But our hope in Jesus is not necessarily in that. Right. It is in that he lived to God and for God as we should have, but that we don't. No matter what the cost to him, he loved his Father perfectly and obeyed him perfectly. And that should be a lesson for us, that even though, as David said, I'll walk through the valley of the shadow of death, even though there may be consequences, even though it may result in death, the only hope of glory, the glory that Christ rose to, is faith in God and to God. Faithfulness to him alone. So the band of soldiers in verse 12 and their captain and the officers of the Jews arrested Jesus and bound him. Which is so ironic because a minute ago he can make them all fall. <laughs> yeah, that should tell you clearly. It's a lot of passive aggressive action. I mean, not even aggressive because it's passive because he's allowing it and it's aggressive because they fell just moments ago but he didn't force them to fall it was uh, i would say yeah he did not physically no no not physically let me rephrase that yeah it was the power of his word right the power of who he was his name alone so it, it, here this in in verse 12 this is physical they physically you know place him in and bound him, you know, yep. but that's such a passive move. He allows On Jesus's it. part. Yes. Yeah. yeah he he would allow it. Yeah. So it, like he told Peter, shall I not drink the cup? Right. This is, this is certainly displaying Jesus's power, his power of faithfulness, his power of obedience to God. That's the power being displayed here. That's the only power that will save us, is his perfect action, even in the face of 
horrible consequences. So first, oh, and by the way, uh, I can't help but think of the account of Lazarus when I read that. In because, verse 12? Yeah, because the last, the last thing that happened before we really entered Holy Week in John's Gospel is raising Lazarus from the dead. And it says he was bound, right, in, in strips of cloth. Mm-hmm. And here Jesus is now having raised Lazarus, Jesus himself being bound. And eventually will be wrapped in grave clothes also. But it's our just small-minded human ability to think that we could, you know, bind him with in such a trivial way. Well, yeah, it's trite, um, uh, you know, uh, but it's true. It's not nails that held Jesus to the cross. Right? It was love, his love for the Father. It wasn't chains that held him. As, as I've said already and probably will again throughout the course of this chapter, as he told Pontius Pilate, and uh, as we'll read, uh, I could at any moment call down angels, and I would be set free, and this whole place would be leveled. It was only Jesus' love for the Father that kept him bound. So in verse 13, first they led him to Annas. I'm so glad you got there because I wanted to ask what Annas was for like ever now. I'm assuming it's a city, a town, a place. It's a person. Oh, really? Yep. Yeah, he was the high priest at the time, um, meaning kind of the, the ruler of really the Jews, the ruler of the temple, the high priest. Uh, Have of, we heard mention of Annas and John Pryor? Is this the first time? Uh, in the Gospel of John, I believe it is. Mm-hmm. So he was led to Annas, for he was the father-in-law of Caiaphas, who was high priest that year. It was Caiaphas who had advised the Jews that it would be expedient that one man should die for the people. John is actually recalling our memory back to John chapter 11, uh, speaking of Lazarus that we were talking about before. This is right after that happened. Um, it says that many of the Jews who had come to see Mary and Martha because of Jesus raising Lazarus from the dead, that they believed in him. And so the Pharisees at the time, the chief priests, the council of which Caiaphas, being the high priest at the time, would have been head over, said in verse 47 of John 11, what are we to do? This guy performs many miracles, and if we let him go, everyone's going to believe in him. And then the Romans will come and take away both our place and our nation. So they were like, if this guy continues to have this influence, um, there's a possibility of a revolt. It's at that point that Caiaphas, in verse 49 of chapter 11, uh, said to them, you know nothing at all, nor do you understand that it is better for you that one man should die for the people, not that the whole nation should perish. So they're already talking about plotting to kill this Jesus. So we heard the Caiaphas name prior in John? Mm-hmm. Correct. You heard Caiaphas, you hadn't heard Annas yet. So, John then comments in verse 51 that he didn't say this on his own accord, but he was prophesying, even though he didn't know it. Think about the words that Caiaphas said. It's better that one man should die rather than a whole nation. Well, that's exactly what was happening. And in his sinful ignorance and arrogance, he was going to do that. And even though he thought he was bringing an end to Jesus, Caiaphas was actually 
being used by God for the plan of salvation for the whole people, that through his death, a whole nation, a whole world would be saved. So Caiaphas was a, a pawn and he didn't even know it. Yeah, I mean, he is God. We call him that for a reason, right? The Psalms say it rains on both the righteous and the wicked. So, yes, God is reigning supreme over both. And he, I mean, he's going to use even the devil's worst plan. We talked about Job a little bit in the last episode. God uses the devil and even his destruction to bring about eternal life. That's how God demonstrates his truly sovereign power. So God's going to use the evil intentions of Caiaphas and the council to accomplish salvation for the whole world. That's what John's pointing out to us. So then Simon Peter, in verse 15, had followed Jesus, and so did another disciple, which we know is John, who's writing this gospel. Since that disciple was known to the high priest, he entered with Jesus into the courtyard of the high priest, but Peter stood outside at the door. John went in, Peter stood outside? Mm-hmm. Yep. So the other disciple, John, who was known to the high priest, went out and spoke to the servant girl who kept watch at the door and brought Peter in. The servant girl at the door said to Peter, You also are not one of this man's disciples, are you? And Peter said, I am not. Why? Well, the simple answer to that is because Jesus said he was going to do that. Yep. He said he would deny him three times before the rooster crowed. Hmm. Remember when Peter, Jesus, said that he had to go to Jerusalem and suffer and die and that he was going to be betrayed, and then Peter said, Lord, this will never happen to you. Right? Even if all the others fall away, I will never fall away. And Peter looked at Jesus and said, Peter, I tell you the truth, before the rooster crows, you'll deny me three times. So again, not Jesus knowing that doesn't make Peter do this. But Peter is doing exactly what Jesus said. The same Peter who just a moment ago was so confident in, in his faith in Christ that he took out a sword and tried to murder, to break the fifth commandment. Right. Now the servants and officers had made a charcoal fire because it was cold, and they were standing and warming themselves. Peter also was with them, standing and warming himself. The high priest then questioned Jesus about his disciples and his teaching. So really, you have to paint this scene in your head. Here, John and and Peter are kind of gazing in at this whole interrogation that's going on. They can tell this isn't going well. And... As they're standing there, they are recognized as one of these disciples of Jesus. Um, and we have that first denial. Then the scene continues with the high priest asking Jesus about his disciples who are standing there watching. <laughs> Jesus answered the high priest, I've spoken openly to the world. I have always taught in synagogues and in the temple where all Jews come from. I have said nothing in secret. Why do you ask me? Ask those who have heard me what I said to them. They know what I said. Is he still bound at this point? Oh, yeah. 
they're trying to trip him up. They're, they, they're op- asking these open-ended questions. Tell us about your disciples and your teaching. And Jesus essentially says, you know my teaching. It's not a secret. You know how I know you know my teaching? You've arrested me. You clearly have heard what I have said. It's not that you haven't heard it. It's that you haven't believed it. When he said these things, one of the officers standing by struck Jesus with his hand, saying, Is that how you answer the high priest? I, I, I can't help myself but say this, especially in the, the day and times in which we live. That's always the answer when the response when people don't have a good answer. Physical? But, yeah, violence. Violence, insults, name-calling. Yep. Instead of just speaking truth. Telling the truth, having a legitimate answer. It's one of the first signs that someone doesn't have a good answer. Is either a verbal or physical attack. Mm -hmm. Jesus answered him, If what I said is wrong, bear witness about the wrong. But if what I said is right, why do you strike me? There it is. You're not dealing with truth. You're having an emotional reaction. Annas then sent him bound to Caiaphas, the high priest. Simon Peter was standing and warming himself, so they said to him, You also are not one of his disciples, are you? He denied it and said, I am not. One of the servants of the high priest, a relative of the man whose ear Peter had cut off, asked, Did I not see you in the garden with him? Peter denied it again. And at once, a rooster crowed. Uh, I, I was reading a little bit of commentary uh, in preparation for the show, and the irony here is that Jesus just talked about how, ask those who heard me what I said to them. They know what I said. And then they ask this guy, Peter, and he goes, I don't know what's going on. <laughs> so, that, you know. Yeah, yeah, and I think that's that's why I wanted to kind of read through that whole section. Um I think it's a very needed warning to us today about our confidence in ourselves. I, I hear this all the time within Christian speak, that our faith and the reason for our faith, the hope of our faith, is the confidence it gives us in ourself, that faith is an achievement of our own that the more faith we have, the more confident we'll be. And I'm not talking about confidence in Christ, but confidence in our own glory, how we feel about ourselves. That's what Peter, Peter rested his whole case on that. Right. This courageous, confident Peter, who was so confident in his own faith, so confident in his own strength, is falling apart just like Jesus said he would. And I think it's a huge caution to us that the goal of our faith isn't self-improvement. The goal of our faith isn't becoming better people. The goal of our faith is Christ himself. We pray our time together in God's Word has been a blessing to you and to your faith in Jesus Christ, who is our Lord and Savior of the world. 
If you enjoy listening to our program, we would love to hear from you. Go to eternalconnectionradio.com. To find our full episode archive, contact us, let us know you enjoy the show, or ask a question that Pastor Jay will answer on the air. God bless all of you. We look forward to connecting with you again next Sunday on The Eternal Connection. Eternal Connection.